from Green Biz Group, welcome to Center Stage, the best of live interviews from Green Biz events. I'm Joel McCower. You know, in the same way we're seeing transparency now being mainstream, um, inclusion and diversity is, is now on the topic. It, it's, it, every boardroom, every, every C-suite is talking about it. That was Susan McPherson, corporate responsibility expert and CEO of McPherson Strategies, she sat down with Rohini Anand, the Senior Vice President of Corporate Responsibility and Global Chief Diversity Officer at Sodexo, to talk about why diversity and inclusion are crucial elements of corporate sustainability. They discussed this at the Green Biz 19 conference in Phoenix, Arizona. Let's listen in. I wanted to open up uh, this discussion around inclusion and diversity uh, with a quote that um, Apple has in a wonderful video that they show on, on the website about their commitment to DNI. Um, Humanity is plural, not singular. The best way the world works is everyone in and nobody out. I think that that is the world we want to get to. And certainly those of us who have the opportunity to be putting systems in place in our companies, it's our responsibility to do so. So I'm going to open it up and ask uh, Rohini some questions that she um, can, can offer or answer and provide guidance as what she has done so successfully at Sodexo over the years. Um, but maybe you want to just give a, a sentence or two about what you do at the firm, okay. at the company. So well, good afternoon, everyone. I think it's almost afternoon. Um, we, just, we're on the East Coast. It's right. afternoon. <laughs> That's right. Delighted to be here. And uh, I know that this is a large audience and obviously has grown tremendously. So congratulations to GreenBiz yes. for uh, really sort of um, continuing to stay relevant. Um, so I am the Global Chief Diversity Officer at Sodexo and SVP of Corporate Responsibility in North America. And as such, you know, I think uh, you asked me what I do. As such, my job <laughs> involves a couple of key things. Um, first is to ensure that our population, our employee population, really reflects the communities in which we live, work, and serve, and reflects the customer population, which is becoming increasingly diverse, but also creating a culture and an environment within the organization that is inclusive, that people can feel respected for who they are, but also have a sense of belonging. And why is that important? I think it's critical because it's about attracting talent when we know that the world is getting more and more diverse. But it's also about creating that environment where we can bring our best and most creative selves to work. I mean, there's plenty of research out there that suggests that uh, diverse teams produce more innovative solutions. Fast Company actually stated that um, companies that are diverse produce two more uh, innovative solutions than those that are not diverse. So, so the workforce piece is one part of my job. The second part of my role is to ensure that we improve the quality of life in the community. Um, you know, having a robust community, obviously equity in the community is absolutely critical. So a lot of initiatives around that, you know, around violence against women, um, addressing employment of refugees, et cetera. The third is around the supply chain. Uh, we know that uh, we have more and more SMEs in the supply chain. It's really important to uh, ensure that we have equity in the supply chain and we're leveraging the supply chain. Um, so I think those would be, I'm, I'm sure, I'm, I'm, so, and I think the fourth piece would be really ensuring that diversity and inclusion is bolted into the business strategy 
and uh, provides a competitive advantage to the business. So that's that's my job. So you're, and we're, we're, you're a busy woman. <laughs> and we're in 80 countries. I was going to ask you, how many how many employees? 80 countries, 400, and actually it's close to 460,000 employees worldwide. We touch 100 million customers a day. And we're in, we're very geograph geographically dispersed. So we have, you know, very global footprint, but we're in over about 45,000 locations. And I'm sure that's an underestimate because we provide uh, quality of life services, food services and facilities management to universities, schools, corporations. So inevitably, everyone in this room has eaten at through, you know, we have intimately been connected. I hope so. Sodexo. <laughs> if you haven't, you will. <laughs> so, um, you know, in the same way we're seeing transparency now being mainstream, um, inclusion and diversity is, is now on the topic. It, it's, it, every boardroom, every, every C-suite is talking about it. Can you speak to this shift, like why the past few years has it finally come to the forefront? Yeah, I mean, I think there's sort of four key reasons that I would say. One is, you know, diversity is a given. We know that the workplace, that the consumer population is getting more and more diverse. So in fact, by 2020, 80% of the net new entrants into the workplace are going to be minorities. So this is, you know, a huge talent pool that we need to tap into. And it's not just about race and ethnicity. It is about gender. It is about one in four people has a disability, and that's increasing with the aging population. One in 10 is estimated to be LGBT. So this is sort of the potential talent pool that we need to tap into. Why? Because as I said before, it's quite clear that for organizations to stay competitive, they need to have the best talent pool, the most inclusive culture, to come up with the most innovative solutions, and we know that happens. The second is the consumer population. Getting more and more diverse, we need to understand the consumer population. We know that the LGBT population has um, a large purchasing power. We know that 70% of consumer decisions are made by women. So this is, you know, we need to understand this consumer population uh, as well. Um, I think the third piece is the financial outcomes. There's plenty of research out there, including Sodexo's, and I'll reference that in a minute, but Credit Suisse, McKinsey, Catalyst, all demonstrating that representation of women and minorities in senior executive positions, senior leadership positions, actually leads to better financial outcomes. Yeah. So at the end of the day, this is about business. This is about staying competitive. This is about in making sure that it's sort of included in the business strategy. Uh, and I, you know, I mean, I think that the inequities in the community are growing more and more. McKinsey put out the research that said that with uh, gender equality in our community, we can actually generate an incremental $12 trillion in GDP. Globally. You know, globally, yeah. So I think there's, there's plenty of evidence around you know, the fact that we need to be attuned because diversity is a fact. It's happening. Mm -hmm. How do we ensure that we leverage that most effectively for business success well, and for the community? I love your, your comment earlier about belonging, too, hmm? and making employees feel, because that is inevitably what's going to help drive innovation. Absolutely. Um, can I see a show of hands? How many, do you, how many of you are working at organizations that you think are doing the absolute optimum to drive inclusi inclusivity? Come on. Share the organization you're with. <laughs> we might all, all want to We're try. having a workshop later, so come. Um, but no, it's interesting because how many are doing a satisfactory job? 
I love this, this like little hands like this. It's actually really good to stretch, you know, for those of us who are aging. Okay, good. Well, that makes me feel better. At least people, there's, there's trying. Um, in your world, and you've given some, some really good background information, but describe what it is when we get to that level where, mm. where we are inclusive and diverse. Is, yeah. is there a tipping point? Yeah, so I, you know, I, I don't know that there's a tipping point because I think this is an iterative process. It's continually evolving and there are new issues that emerge yes. all the time. You know, there are generational issues, there are issues of religion, um, there's issues of, you know, identity, et cetera, that keep evolving. But I think that, I mean, I think in order to, to answer your question, if I can just take a step back and talk about, you know, what diversity and inclusion means, right? So to me, diversity is a given, it's a fact. It's the mix, right? And inclusion to me is about making that mix work. It's about creating the culture where everyone can be successful. So diversity is about, you know, respecting individuals, embracing individuals for who they are, their individual differences. But inclusion is creating that sense of belonging. So it's, it's sort of a, you know, individuality, identity, and belonging both going together. And when you have that is when you really have that sort of magical mix, if you will. How do you measure that? Um, you know, at Sodexo, we actually have an engagement survey. She knew that I was going to ask that question. Yeah. <laughs> so we have an engagement survey. And, uh, you know, the engagement survey, we actually measure um, the employee's sense of bringing their whole self to work, their individuality, but also their feeling of belonging to the workplace. And we've, you know, when I started doing this work, so for those that feel that your companies are not, um, you know, doing much in this space. I mean, we were at Sodexo in that place when I joined. What, when was that? I actually joined Sodexo in 2002. Okay. And, um, you know, I, it, it was not a pretty place. Um, it did not have the kind of culture that we have today. Did not have the representation at all levels that we have today. Um, and we actually looked at the engagement scores at the time by gender, by race, and it was not, it was, it was, you know, white folks, men, having a very different experience from women and from people of color in the company. And if, today it's different. If I can ask, yep. what was it when yeah. you came aboard that got folks to realize that this needed to be a priority? Yeah, I, I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that question, oh. but since I'm with <laughs> only 1,300 of my closest friends, <laughs> I will answer that transparently. No, one, no one's going to share. <laughs> no, don't, it's don't fine. So actually, you know, in full transparency, I was hired in 2002 in response to a lawsuit at Sodexo. Okay. Well. And my role was to fix the situation. And what I will say is that was a very painful time in our company's history, something I do not recommend to any organization. It was a learning experience for us. But fast forward to today, I think that we are seen as thought leaders in this space. And our brand, Sodexo brand, is synonymous with our leadership. And the reason for that was, along the way, the leadership actually realized the benefits of addressing diversity and inclusion to the business. So they could have stopped at a check-the-box kind of mentality and done what was required as, you know, very basic stuff. But they didn't. They continued to invest. And they even today continue to invest. So just one sort of example of that is 10% of every manager's bonus 
is linked to our diversity and inclusion objectives. Now that really is putting your money where your mouth is. And for many years, it was decoupled from the financial performance of the company. In other words, regardless of how the company did, we would pay that out because we felt that we wanted to be on this for the long term. You know? So I think that to me is, yes, there was a burning platform, but I think we went way beyond that because the company saw the business benefits of what we sure. were doing. Wow. You should be a consultant when you're done, because I bet you <laughs> half the people in this room would hire you. Too. Too. Um, you uh, mentioned earlier that you have 80 offices yep. or facilities around the world. Um, Inclusion and diversity obviously means very different mm. in, 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 in many, many of those locations. How on earth do you deal with that? Yeah, I think that's a great question, Susan. And what I would say is that, you know, we have a, a global kind of an approach, right? So we have a global framework and the execution happens very locally because, you know, things, diversity and inclusion means a very, very different things in different parts of the world. So for instance, in Europe, legally you cannot collect data based on race and ethnicity. So it's very difficult to address this topic when you don't even know what you know, the numbers look like. Um, and what, you know, when you talk about minorities, what does that mean in different parts of the world? Sometimes it's about religious minorities, sometimes it's about First Nations, sometimes it's about sort of different yeah, nationality, <laughs> exactly. So you really have to localize you know, how you approach it. And we've actually, we have, you know, a, a one particular task force that looks at um, issues of religion, First Nations, um, sort of culture, um, local nationalities and underrepresented groups within the local context. So you really have to be very um, sort of very specific in terms of the country where you're, where you're working. Um, I'll give you one quick story, right? So in terms of, in terms of sort of learnings, I actually grew up in Mumbai, India, and went back to India with Sodexo to do this work, and I thought, you know, I knew exactly what the women in India needed in management, you know, mentoring initiatives, sponsoring, you know, whatever the standard piece things, initiatives are. And then I paused and I actually asked them, and these were entry-level women, I asked them, I said, you know, what is it that you would like? What would help you? And I was really amazed that I had completely forgotten and misjudged the context because they said, we live in joint families, we live with our in-laws, we cannot work late because when we do that, we're chastised, we have to go home and we have to take care of the family, you have to cook for them and all of that. So, so I said, well, and I was you know, befuddled, I said, you know, how are we going to address this particular situation? They said, well, can you, and they came up with a solution, they said, can you um, sort of implement a recognition day and make a big deal out of it. And we did that. We called the extended families and we, you know, recognized them. We gave them awards and it changed the dynamic for them at home. So I think it really is about, you know, I give this as a sort of an extreme example, but it really is understanding the local context. And, and, and I cultures. will say, and, and the cultures. cultures. And I will say that very often when we do this work and in the United States, you know, it's come out of a, oops, sorry. It's come out of a civil rights mindset, right? And we take that mindset wherever we go. And I would suggest that, you know, we kind of 
be more in, in a listening sure, mode. Sure. So, well, I know we're, we're going to take it over to questions, but I wanted to say one of our clients is an organization called Gender Spectrum. Uh -huh. And this whole new notion of non-binary genders Absolutely, is going to right. be a whole other issue you know, that we're seeing next. Um, but yeah. I won't ask you questions about that because no, I want to give the audience the opportunity. So over. Rohini, it's so great to see you oh. again. Hi. I know. We have it, cough it drops hurt. up here. It doesn't hurt. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> so before I get to an audience question, I'm going to ask a question myself. I know a couple of years ago in talking with Ted Monk, he said that every team in Sodexo of those 460,000 employees has to be 60, 40 gender balanced. Yep. So how is that going? And, great. and if you've done it well, how did you achieve that? That's, that's a great question. So That was on my sheet. But there we'll you go. <laughs> no, that is a great question. So that is based on some research that we conducted, and we actually conducted this research. It's been you know, five years of data that we have 50,000 managers and over 100 entities globally. And what we found was that our sweet spot in terms of you know, uh, gender balance was 40 to 60% women, because globally that's the only sort of metric that we can measure uh, across the board. Um, and when we looked at the data, we found that teams or entities with 40 to 60% women outperformed those with less than 40% women on each one of our key performance indicators, including brand awareness, client retention, employee engagement, employee retention, safety, and wow. financial outcomes. Five years, so clearly there's something there in terms of that mix that makes our financial results and non-financial results more sustainable and predictable. So as a result of that, what we did was put a stake in the ground and said, we want to get to that 40-60 mix um, in our senior executive teams by 2025. We're currently at 33%. And we want to make sure that all of our entities are in that range. And currently, you know, we have a lot more work to do because we're in the low 60% in terms of numbers of entities that are in that 40-60 range. But there's a, there's a business reason for doing it. What's interesting is that when you get to over 60%, the results start plateauing, which is, it's not that one gender is inherently better than the other, or one group is inherently better than the other, but you need that mix, mix that right, optimal mix. Right, right. It's, it's like cooking. Right? Yeah. You wouldn't use just one ingredient and expect it Absolutely. To, to work out. So one other one that's come in. <clears throat> DNI seems very much a top-down driven thing for a lot of companies. But if you don't have yeah. management that's going to drive that, what do you suggest for people to try and drive it within their own organizations? Yeah, you're, I think it is. It, it, when it's successful is when it is top-down. Um, when you don't have it, I think you do need to spend some time because at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, what is the business benefit to an organization engaging in diversity and inclusion? Why are we doing it? How does it uh, amplify your mission? How does it amplify your business? And making that case is absolutely critical. So I would encourage you to spend some time on that. But I do think that it's not just a top-down initiative. At Sodexo, we have a lot of grassroots engagement, and it can bubble up from the grassroots level. So it can be people saying, we want to be recognized for who we are. 
and you know, for what we bring to the table. So I think it can also come from the bottom up, but ultimately you do have to make sure that you convince yep. senior leadership of the business benefit. Well, we are out of time, but I first want to thank you, Rohini. You have set the bar quite high and thank Sodexo for, for caring true on something that is not only the right thing to do, but clearly good business. And I want to thank this wonderful audience. Thank Have you. Have a good day. Thank you. You've been listening to Susan McPherson in conversation with Rohini Anand at the Green Biz 19 conference in Phoenix, Arizona. For more Center Stage podcasts, go to greenbiz.com slash center stage. And while you're there, tune into Green Biz 350, our weekly podcast covering the news and the people behind the news in sustainable business and clean technology. For all of us here at Green Biz Group, I'm Joel McCower. Thanks for listening.